Where do I start? How do I train recall? How long should we work on healing before moving on? Is crate training really that important? We hear these questions all the time and there's one answer that will help with all of them. The complete step-by-step dog training course found at Standing Stone Supply. They break down the what, when, where, and how to train your own dog from eight weeks to one year old. They've got it all laid out for you down to even the daily activity checklist to keep you and your puppy on track. Check out standingstonesupply.com and remember to use code GDIY to save 10%. Being an upland hunter in the South nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20%. When you look at a dog and you see fleas, you don't see one flea, right? You see all over the dog. And you got to realize those female fleas, they can lay 4,500 eggs. That's one flea can lay 4,500 eggs during its lifespan of two to three months. So you can imagine when you take that dog back to your truck, uh, back to wherever you're housing, your gun dog, think of how quick that's going to become an infested environment. And then it becomes a nightmare to try to clear that up. One thing we all love to do with our dogs is hit the road and go on new adventures. In order for that to happen, we have to be able to safely and efficiently travel with our dogs. Dakota 283 is dedicated to building unparalleled pet protection and tailgate lifestyle products for you and your best friends. Their one-piece roto-molded kennels have many options such as the Hero Series for military-grade crates, T1 low-profile kennels that will fit truck beds with tonneau covers, and their most popular G3 Series that's available in any size you'll need. Dakota not only offers many different sizes and styles of kennels, they also offer products and accessories to help with food and water transport, truck bed storage, and even grooming stations. Have a new puppy and only want to buy one kennel instead of buying multiple ones as they grow? Look at the Forever Kennel Insert Divider that gives you the ability to buy a kennel now and adjust the size inside as needed. No matter what you need to get you on your next adventure with your dog, Dakota has it for you. Check them out now at dakota283.com. Your new 283 lifestyle is just one click and free shipping away. All right, Joe. I still can't make up my mind on what we're calling this episode. Is it tick off the fleas or make the ticks flee? Man, it would be better. I mean, Mark is is a great guest, but if we had <laughs> Wit the vet on, we could, I mean, we could say it would be a, a very witty title. Yeah, I think we might be getting a little too uh, too ridiculous with some of these uh, dad jokes that we've been throwing around. Hey, I, I like it, man. I like it. <laughs> so yeah, so we'll we'll probably just go with the generic flea and tick prevention. But uh, that's clearly what we're talking about today. Uh, we have Mark Pelham. He's a uh, vet out of Alabama, and he's. Uh, he does a lot of work with uh, Brevecto and Merck Animal Health. And so he came on to talk everything flea and tick. And um, I'm not going to give any spoiler alerts, but it's a really informative episode. Gives you a lot of good insight to the importance of why you should have an effective flea and tick prevention uh, program. 
I feel triggered by my use of uh, all natural methods. <laughs> Don't worry, we talk about that. We talk <laughs> about that because you and and uh, you know the last reference we made of a number of weeks ago, and you had some uh, some supporters come out of the woodwork talking about Cedar Side and, and other right. uh, uh, other um, brands. You know, I was sure to bring that up and, and ask Mark his opinion on that as well throughout the episode. So uh, we kind of cover all the bases here. That's awesome, man. Well, I uh, I had a long uh, drive. I'm actually in Texas right now. My father-in-law, as you know, had his uh, RV in our driveway when uh, the baby was born. So I had the, the chance to bring that back. Uh, I actually brought it to Oklahoma. So <laughs> okay. uh, I, had, I, I traveled with uh, a six-month-old, my wife. Uh, we had three uh, dogs with us in the back in Dakota 283 kennels. And I was pulling a 36 foot trailer. So uh, <laughs> when you see me next time, I'm going to have a bunch of uh, gray hairs. <laughs> the, the, hey, man, that just sounds like fun. I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, you should have kept the camper for hunting season. Give it back to him after well, hunting I mean, season. We, we weren't taking that. We wouldn't be able to. That thing was so heavy. And, and it's, it's good to have for, you know, at a quail camp where. You're kind of walking to wherever you need to go, but for for anything we want to do, I can't imagine taking that thing up a mountain. Oh no, <laughs> it be, you're a pretty good driver, man, and I know it, it was a it was a, it was a mess. But uh, but man, I, I'll say I'll say this: it sounds like we are. Um, uh, I'm actually going to have a tip of the week, Nick. Uh oh, something like that? that, and it's gonna it's gonna have some sponsor implications on it too. <laughs> What's but, that? So. The fact that I've got the Dakota 283s that I can lock up in my car and have, you know, them ratchet strapped down, but I also lock them to my truck. You know, before I would have to find a, uh, like a La Quinta, or I think Red Roofin actually like allows dogs. Where, when, I, when I'm traveling, I'm getting to the hotel at 10 o'clock and then waking up at six or seven to get on the road. My dogs are fine in their kennels. They don't need to go in to the hotel with me. And that has opened up opportunities to not stay in a La Quinta. Now, La Quintas are nice, but <laughs> I can't tell you how nice it is. And even, you know, when you run into a gas station, the fact that you can, you know, you can't do that with those airline crates. Those airline crates, you could cut a hole in it and they're just going to be able to take your dog out of. <laughs> so you're saying this road trip has opened your eyes as to uh, the the benefits of having a lockable kennel. Yeah, I mean, this this solidified it, you know. It was one less thing I had to worry about. Yeah, I had all this stuff I had to worry about this this trip with the the the, the baby and the 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 pulling the trailer that the safety of my dogs and the security of my dogs. Yeah, I didn't have to worry about, and that's that that alone is is worth having it. You know, I mean, just the ease of mind. There's definitely something to to be said about that, but but I, I still feel like that tip of the week might jip the listeners. Well, sorry, I, uh, I I stole your thunder. Do you have a tip of the week? We'll we'll kind of we'll kind of keep the listeners on their toes, uh, and we'll go. Uh, we'll do a tip yeah. of the week from you, and then we'll do our um, our weekly uh, review read. Yeah, yeah. R- real quick, I had a uh, our buddy Garrett. He reached out to us via Instagram and uh, said that he has a tip for the people that he feels he lacked uh, on his first dog and is important for all do- dogs, and that's just to feed them in different areas when they are puppies. Feed them in their kennels, outside, any different places, so that when you travel to hunt, it isn't a shock to the dog. And how many I like times? That. 
how many times have we seen that to where, you know, it may have been your dog, but uh, you, you get there and there's somebody's dog at the camp that's having an issue eating, right? And whether mm-hmm. that's from the anxiety of, of travel or they're just so worked up and amped up to go hunt or, you know, m- maybe they just ate something funny on the road. They found it, you know, on one of the pit stops or something. Who knows? But uh, uh, that is a good tip to just get the dog used to eating wherever and whenever you put the food down right so uh that is a good tip and it it's it's really more so for the traveling hunter or uh anybody that travels with their dogs tell you what i haven't had a any issue with my dogs eating since i switched to yukonuba <laughs> dude you're all about the, the sponsorship <laughs> drops here <laughs> like good lord <laughs> hey man I, but I, again i that was one of the i mean not to that was one of the conversations we had before, you know, we kind of switched because you and I both were feeding our dog something different. I go, my dog, Jack's pretty picky eater. Yeah. Not anymore. Yep. So well, how about uh, the double tick for tip for you? <laughs> Use Dakota 283 kennels and feed your dog. You can do uh, sporting blend. That's, that's what I say. In a bunch of different areas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In a bunch of different areas. Yeah. Joe, All right. Joe, well, I, Joe coming in hot with the tips of the week and you've never <laughs> given a tip of the week before. So. <laughs> So yeah, go on get 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 uh through the review so we can get to the episode while people actually tuned in to listen. Well, uh I'm a fan of this one. We got uh uh GDI wives from I'm gonna guess her name is Sam Snyder, or it could be Sam it could be just S N Y D Snide. I don't know. <laughs> right. I don't know why she would leave the E R off of her name, but um so we'll just go and I'm I'm not even gonna try to pronounce it if you just combine it. Sam Snid? <laughs> Sam Snide. Go for it. What did she say? <laughs> or he uh, say? They go, I absolutely love the amount of woman focused Upland podcasts is growing. I love listening to like-minded women lead the conversation about their passion to train and hunt their dogs. Great content. Keep it up. And you know, you you kind of look at the numbers every week and and we we've noticed how many people are listening to, you know, that GDI Wives episode. It's really awesome. Kylie's doing a great job with it. So um, always good to hear uh, positive feedback on, you know, really when we were kind of releasing it, there wasn't really anybody talking what Kylie's having on, you know, having, you know, female guests on and everything like that. So um, really great to hear that people are liking it. And obviously people are are, are um, listening to it when we put it out every month. Yeah, people are definitely enjoying it, and and Kylie has a number of good guests coming up, so uh, excited to kind of see where that goes. But uh, yeah, uh, Sam Snide, Sam Snyder, Sammy, what whatever Joe decided that, <laughs> that your name is going to be called, uh, appreciate you taking the time, leaving us a review, and uh, it really means a lot, and hit us up if you'd like a sticker in the mail. But uh, I guess without further ado, this uh, we'll get to the episode. This is the first of a few vet-centric episodes that we're doing this is the veterinary series that uh, i alluded to a few weeks ago and right now i have three great uh episodes recorded in this series and i'm hoping for a fourth i'm going to see if they come through on uh, one particular topic that i've reached out to try and arrange but uh hope you guys enjoy i think it's a lot of good information and uh yeah let us know what you think and we'll check back next week We get asked all the time what the most important thing to consider is when training and living with a hunting dog, and they're often surprised when they hear us answer with proper nutrition. It's pretty obvious when you think about it, though. It doesn't matter how well the dog is trained if it doesn't have the right fuel. 
The same garbage in, garbage out rings true in dog nutrition. Yukonuba's premium performance lineup goes beyond just protein and fat with a number of different formulas designed to fuel your dog's specific activity level while supporting their recovery and optimizing their nutrient delivery. The proof is in the pudding, or lack thereof, when you make the switch to Yukonuba. You'll see immediate results in your dog's energy level and drive. They have a formula for every type of dog from your hardest working dog in the field to your laziest retired dog on the couch. Head on over to YukonubaSportingDog.com to find the right formula for your hunting partner. Make the switch today and let Yukonuba fuel your dog so you can focus on what you and your dog actually love to do, work. Picture this. You just finished a long day's hunt, or a long day in the training field grooming your next champion. You run through your entire string of dogs in anticipation for the next fall. You think the day's over. It's not, though. Your day's not over until you let that ugly dog hunt. No hunting or training session is complete without capping it off with one of the spirits from Ugly Dog Distillery. They're Michigan-raised and purebred handcrafted spirits. They have everything you need from vodka and gin to your more traditional after-hunt choice Kentucky bourbon. Head on over to UglyDogDistillery.com to check availability within your state. And if you have an upcoming event that's alcohol-friendly, then be sure to reach out to us and see if we can add another ugly dog to the lineup. We'll tell you right now, we aren't much on flavored whiskeys, but you have to try their peanut butter whiskey. Unlike other peanut butter whiskeys out there, Ugly Dogs is made with real Kentucky bourbon and not just grain alcohol with syrup. So after your next hunt or a long day of testing and you're trying to decide what to drink, reach for the bottle with Ruger, the German wire hair pointer on it. It was handcrafted by people just like us, dog people. Every adventure starts somewhere. Make sure yours includes an ugly dog at your side. Explore responsibly. All right, everybody. We are joined this week by Dr. Mark Pelham. Mark, how you doing today? Good. How about you? Uh, living the dream as always. I appreciate you making time to come on and talk uh, everything flea and tick prevention. Uh, you know, it's kind of a... Uh, a big topic for a lot of people, especially this time of year, and, and as spring is kind of winding down and summer's already hitting, uh, it's it's always good to kind of cover your basis. And there's a million different things on the market that you can go towards. So I uh, appreciate you making time and coming on and and trying to educate us. No, looking forward to it. Once I heard uh, Gun Dog, it, you, you had me there, <laughs> and uh, and definitely seeing a lot of fleas and ticks showing up in the practices. Yeah. Uh, now that we're starting to spend a little more time outdoors. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, you know, you just mentioned that you, you have an interest in gun dogs. Go ahead and introduce yourself and, and kind of tell everybody how you ended up falling, falling into the, the veterinary world and, and kind of what your passion is. Sure. So I've uh, been a veterinarian in private practice for about 24 years before joining Merck Animal Health. And that's where I'm currently serving right now as a professional services veterinarian. And uh, in my 12th year as a veterinarian in the military. So, um, once again, the working dog, the sporting breeds, always a passion of mine, uh, especially growing up in Alabama and getting to hunt behind some good gun dogs. A lot lot of setters, a lot of German short hair pointers um, in my past. So, anytime I can work with a group that loves the sporting breeds and the working breeds, I'm on board. Love it. Love it. So what's your experience as far as you getting out with the hunting breeds? Have you done much hunting and, and training yourself? So never never much on the training, but a lot of hunting with uh, good friends that had done a lot of training. It was always you know good to have friends that, that had those dogs ready to go. 
mm-hmm. uh, pretty much all over the southeast. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of quail hunting growing up, pheasant up in uh, Iowa, and uh, that's been my experience in the past. Great. So, all right. So, so you know what we're kind of dealing with as far as how often and how much we're outside, at least even during the hunting season, but kind of even more so in a lot of ways during the training season uh, right now. And and one of the things, and it seems like it's just getting more and more prevalent, uh, is is flea and tick prevention. So I'll let you kind of choose where you want to head down first. You know, do we want to group both of them together, or do we want to talk about uh, fleas and ticks separate? Well, I'll probably probably group them together sometimes, but when when there's a big difference, I'll I'll break them off just so we kind of understand. You know, I think when we talk about fleas. You know, and you start talking to some dog owners about that. They look, they think of a nuisance, right? I mean, we think of the the easy stuff, skin problems, you know, scratching, sores on the body, you know, really distracting from from training more than anything. Um, But, you know, they're more than a nuisance. I mean, when we look at, when you look at a dog and you see fleas, you don't see one flea, right? You see all over the dog. Yeah. And you got to realize those female fleas, they can lay 4,500 eggs. That's one flea can lay 4,500 eggs during its lifespan of two to three months. Good Lord. So you can imagine when you take that dog back to your truck, back to your house, uh, back to wherever you're housing, your gun dog, think of how quick that's going to become an infested environment. And then it becomes a nightmare to try to clear that up. And we'll talk about that later. Yeah. But you, but you know, unfortunately, you know, with you guys training year round, you know, for the seasons, fleas are year round. I mean, because even down here in Alabama, we don't get, I mean, we have some mild winters and, and we're not really reaching temperatures all the time. that's going to wipe out a flea population. And yeah. it may be on hold for a short period of time, but it, it's year round. Like you said, you know, training, hunting season, whatever's going on, you've got to keep these animals protected year round. With, um, with the flea, the big thing I think we see as veterinarians coming in is, is flea anemia. You know, it's just draining the blood out of the dog. And, you know, they, they become weak. Of course, I don't think they're going to focus much on your training. Yeah. Uh, and, and we see, unfortunately, a lot of pets come in that are at the point of needing blood transfusions or even beyond blood transfusions. Um, tape, tapeworms, the flea is, is your primary cause of animals with tapeworms. Uh, you know, and that can go for people too. It's, it's just not a, an animal issue. These things are public health concerns for us when we're around them. Um, typhus, you heard of cat scratch fever, yeah. uh, Bartonella, which is a bacteria that these fleas can carry, can really make the dog sick. So like I said, that's just breaking off on the flea and what kind of issues it can cause. Uh, ticks. You know, growing up as a as a, you know a boy, you think you know out in the woods a lot, and all you always felt like there was a tick season. Yeah, and it, it it was for me because it was the season that I was always outside, right? right. You know, um, it, but it's not. You know, ticks are year round. We've got different species that are out at different times of the year. You know, and more prevalent at certain times of the year. And there, are, you know, when we talk ticks in the clinic. You know, you get a lot of people come in, and I think whereas the flea was the nuisance, the tick is now, you know, the thing that's gross. A lot of people don't like 
you know, pulling a tick off the dog or they come oh, yeah. in just for you to pull a tick. Yeah. And, um, so it's kind of funny to see how we look at them, but I'm going to say, you know, they are also, you know, very dangerous to the dog. Um, they have multiple life stages and they're feeding on multiple hosts during that lifetime. So by the time you see that adult tick on the dog, it may have fed on rodents, birds, lizards, mm. uh, deer, uh, and other dogs. And, you know, that was a pretty impressive number when you think of that female flea. But now that female tick can produce between 1,000 and 8,000 eggs. Um, so we, when you think of how many ticks you've seen on dogs throughout your lifetime, think about that, you know, those female ticks and how many eggs they could have put back in that environment, especially in the environment where you may be out training your dog and hunting. Yeah. I mean, I think the one thing we can all think about when we think about the tick is Lyme disease. Yeah. I mean, not only for your dog and, and causing issues with, with, the, with the gun dog, but us, us. I mean, you think about people and how Lyme disease has become such a uh, public health concern, and it all stems from, once again, that tick. And you think about these dogs bringing these ticks into our environment, Uh not only our outdoor activities, but you know they're going to be bringing these ticks back into the environment once you get them back to wherever you're you know you're keeping your dogs, uh, and that can be an issue also. So, you know, both of them very you know we got our dogs as a common theme here, public health concern for both of them, and I think that's where people lose sight of how important it is to control these is our safety and our health as well as our pets. Yeah, and our, and our working dogs. Well, and that's that. That is a, a a key proponent to this. Is you know, we love our dogs. That's what we do this for. I mean, that's why we're we have this podcast that we're talking on right, right now because we love watching a dog work, and and that's what we're passionate about. But at the end of the day, you know, it is it is a health concern. You know, we don't we can't have fleas and ticks coming inside the house with our families and our kids and and ourselves producing these these health concerns and health issues and uh especially, you know, like you said you mentioned some with the fleas, you know, I'm probably not like you said, it's kind of a uh ticks are more probably popular as a, as it is uh when it relates to people talking about what they dislike and what they hate the most, because <laughs> I, I talk about it all the time. I hate ticks, especially here lately with that Lone Star tick and making you worried about if you'll, you'll ever be able to meet, eat red meat again. And it's just, it's like, good Lord. I mean, it's it just preventing the fleeing tick on your dogs and do, and keeping up on the maintenance. It's going to prevent that from entering your house and giving you the possibilities. But like with the ticks, besides Lyme disease, you know, what, what are the most common things, uh, including that, that red meat allergy, you know, what are the most common things that we need to be cognizant of as the human species when we're around ticks more often training the dogs or them coming off the dogs? You know, when they first get on your dog, it, it takes a, a tick a little bit before they decide to, you know, maybe feed. So when you're, when you're bringing them back in from the field, you're putting them up, you know, to, to drive home or, or just taking them to the house to feed them. You know, these, these ticks can be hitchhiking on them. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're taking care of your animal. Uh, they, they're going to get on you. And, and two, if you're seeing them on your dog, you've been in that same field. Exactly. Um, it, it, it's amazing some of the experience, you know, we had out 
when we were studying ticks, collecting ticks uh, in some fields out in Kansas. And you just feel like you're walking through, you get one or one tick on you, you know, in the South, couple in the South, but out there in these fields, we would literally collect hundreds uh, just walking through these fields. And so it's easy for them to trans, you know, to transport from the blade of grass over to you at just like it is the dog. Yeah. Uh, not only, and, and then from the pet to you, you know, with the, with our dogs, a lot of different, what we call raquette diseases. You know, we always talk about Lyme disease. I think because that's the one we, we want to be very aware of it from a, from a human standpoint, uh, from our dog standpoint. And, but there are other diseases that these ticks can carry. You mentioned the, the one, the protein, um, allergy mm-hmm. and some of these other rickettsial diseases we can get bleeding disorders um just a numerous diseases that are that similar to what the our pets can get and, and then also some that, that we can have to worry about but what always is you know something we lose sight of you know we're talking about something that is easily preventable um and, and a lot of times I feel like, you know, we wait till there's an issue and we'll talk about this, I'm sure in a little bit, but <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think we worry until there's an issue and then we're like, okay, how do we solve it? You yeah. know? And that's where I think, you know, we want these people to know that, you know, with these gun dogs, with this lifestyle and, and just even people with pets, cause we're, listen, they're going to be at dog parks and they're going to yeah. be out on walks, you know, this time of year we can prevent the things we're going to talk about tonight. And even more so, you know, I came out of vet school in the early nineties and, and, you know, we were fighting to have drugs, you know, that would work. We were using sprays and foggers and dips and, and you name it. Mm-hmm. And we weren't getting the control we needed. And, and with today's technology, with these medications, Hey, this is an easy thing to take care of. So let's jump right on into that. What, Let's talk about prevention of both. And again, I'll let you decide if we need to cover one or the other or group both of them together because I know, um, you know, I contacted Merck because I I use Brevecto. That's that's my brand of choice. I've never had an issue whatsoever with mine. Uh, And it covers both fleas and ticks. But let's talk about the types of prevention. You know, there's different topical. There's you ingest it and then you also have the collar. What? what Right. explain the different types, the pros, cons, the effectiveness, you know, give your thoughts and opinions on the different types of medication. Right. You know, you're right. And when I was talking, listen, I remember growing up in a vet clinic in the eighties and, you know, it's funny because a lot of, a lot of your listeners that have been working these dogs for a long time, you know, we were spraying them down. And you'd get about, you know, three to seven days, maybe mm-hmm. if you were lucky and your dog didn't go back out in the field. Yeah. You know, we were putting, we were putting dips on them. We were fogging the kennels, fogging the areas where they had been laying, spraying their beds. Mm. It, it's amazing at the chemicals we would use just to get three days, maybe. And yeah. we weren't really affecting the environment. I mean, you still had eggs in the environment, larvae. So you had just yeah. more hatchings coming. You know, we were just, we were just knocking the adults down. We weren't doing anything. Yep. And then when I got out of school in the nineties, you know, our first, you know, big product hits for the flea in lafiniron, which 
Um, a lot of people remember his program. Uh, it's in our Sentinel spectrum. That drug today is still such a good drug as far as a growth regulator, you know, um, uh, affecting the hatchings in the environment. Now, we've learned a lot since that time, too. You've got to have an adult aside. You've got to have something with that that's going to, you know, we can affect these eggs developing. We can affect these larvae, but you need to put it with an adult aside. We need to kill those adults, and we need to do it before that female lays those thousands of eggs. Yeah. So, so when you talk about the different types, you know, I think the first thing people may be still familiar with are some of the collars out there. Yeah. And so we, we know we've got some of the collars you used to put around the neck and it pretty much kept the fleas or ticks away from the neck. You know, that's all you were really affecting. You weren't getting that full body coverage today. That's a little different. There's several collars out there, um, that do cover, um, and protect the dog. Um, I know you're familiar with, with Merck Animal Health, and we had one, uh, the Activil collar, and, it, and it's a waterproof collar uh, and, and very effective. Then you've got your topicals. And when we first got our topicals, uh, you know, they, you, you put them on. We had to wait for, for those to, to spread kind of throughout the, the, the skin, the fatty layers, and, and cover the animal. So it wasn't going systemic, but it was still protecting um, you know, at that skin layer, that, that fatty layer and protecting against our fleas and our ticks. You know, then we've got some topicals now, and I know you mentioned Brevecto, and we do have a topical formulation of that. A lot of people, some people wanted that topical formulation. I didn't even know that. Well, and where it varies is when you apply it, it's going to go systemic, just like the chew is going to do. So it's going to be in the in the tissue, yeah. Uh, so, it's, so you don't have to worry. You know, you give it it's time to dry and be absorbed. Um, the label states, I think, seventy-two hours. And there's some some studies out there that that talk about you know twenty-four uh, to seventy-two hours. So as okay. early as twenty-four hours, it's systemic. Some people like that. Uh, not many. There's not many dogs that don't like a chew or a treat. Um, out there, but but some just won't take it. So Brevecto does have the option of, of a topical. Okay. And then um, you've got uh, you know the the pills. So and, and when we say pill, you know the Brevecto chew mm. um, as a treat. Um, some formulations people have a, a tablet, but with this, I, I think with these now, when you can give a chew. And your dog thinks it's a treat, um, just like they can with their heartworm prevention. And you can get, you know, extended duration from that treat. I think that's the one thing that, you know, I like to see. Because, you know, I'm a veterinarian and my dog, uh, you know, a monthly, a month flew by for me. Yeah. You know, oh, is it time to give, you know, is it time to give the medication again? So I'll have to say, you know, I was bad about maybe, you know, by the time you skip, you know, a few doses, you can make up a month's time really fast. Yeah. Uh, now that I remember it, you know, a little over four times a year. Yep. I can put that on my calendar. We can take care of that. Yeah. Um, 
It's very easy. And I think you know, it's it's like my heartworm medicine is once a month, and I have a calendar reminder on my phone. But for some reason, it's it's always going off. Like, or I see it on my phone after I've already fed, and I'm like, well, I'll hit it up tomorrow. And next thing you know, it's three, four days down the line. With with the once a quarter pill with Brevecto, it's very easy. I have it on auto ship from Chewy, so I don't even keep track of it anymore. Like, it just shows up, and it immediately gets fed to them at at dinner that night, and it's is very simple it's just once a quarter and i haven't had to worry about it in years it, and hey that's what people want now yeah. they want they want easy to remember easy to administer and something that's going to work and you know what a lot of people don't realize is we talked about that that female flea uh, going and laying those you know 4500 eggs over her lifetime you know it's going to take if you've got a flea infestation today Mm-hmm. and you're ready to take care of it, for us to get through that whole cycle. So when you see the fleas on the dog, you're looking at 5%. I mean, the, the tip of the pyramid, the tip of the iceberg, that's 5% of your problem. Mm. So if you see thousands of fleas on your dog, that's 5% of your problem. So the rest of it is in the environment, either in the, the larval stage, the egg, uh, the pupa, and we used always used to joke, once it gets to that stage right before it comes an adult, anything short of a flamethrower is not <laughs> going to take care of that stage. So you can forget any product out there at that point. But it takes 12 weeks, all right, so it takes it up to 12 weeks to take care of that flea infestation in your environment. So if you went home today, you got your first Brevecto from your veterinarian, you gave it to your dog tonight. That one tablet is going to take care of your environment. Yeah. So it's now going to take care of that full gamut. Now, if, if, you, if you're given something monthly and we get like you and I both just said we've been known to do, <laughs> and, let's say you, and let's say you miss that window and, and you miss it by just a, a, shoot, a few short days. Yeah. Well, then, then you, you're going to be all behind. A, you're going to start all over again. And that's why people feel like they never can get rid of them. And um, now with that 12 week, one tablet. And then after that, you're on autopilot, just keep giving it and keep, you know, any more that you're bringing in from the field, from hunting, you know, we're going to get, we're now going to kill these fleas before they have time (laughs) to jump off and lay those eggs. So we, we broke the cycle. So just one, (laughs) one drug. It, you say it, it may feel like you just you just sparked a, a memory in my head. Um, you you say it feels like it's a never ending cycle. I I remember back in college, I had a couple of college roommates, and of course we had dogs, but and we're broke college uh, college students. So like we didn't at the time we didn't feel like we had the money for flea and tick prevention. You know, it's just like oh well we'll be fine. Like we'll get a couple of these little eight dollar collars from Walmart or something. Well, it definitely did not keep the fleas from coming in the house and from then on i think for the rest of the lease on that year-long lease we were just doing nothing but fogging that house it was just non-stop we're we hated like like you talked about we're about to bring a flamethrower in that house and it's like we spent more money on foggers we probably could have bought an entire lifetime supply of flea and tick prevention by how many foggers we bought and pulling you know everything out of the house and trying to get rid of these fleas it's like once the fleas are in the environment 
and you're an irresponsible college student and you're just like, you're off by a day or two. Good freaking luck getting rid of it. Yeah. And, and think, so like you said, think of the money. So we think we're saving money, right? Because we're going to go, well, this one's, you know, a little bit cheaper. I'm going to buy this one. It's not working well. You're late because you don't give the next one. You feel like the product failed. Well, now I'm going to buy this product. Well, by the time you buy three different products over three months, thinking that it's the product not working, yeah, one Brevecto is going to take care of the environment. So people always talk, well, Doc, what's, your, what's the cheapest product? Well, <laughs> you know, what do you mean by cheapest? Because multiple cheap products are going to be more expensive than one good product. Right. And, and that's what I see is that people waste a lot of money trying to battle, you know, these infestations or prevent these, you know, fleas and ticks. And in the end, I think they may see that, okay, I should have done this. You know, you get a lot of testimonies, doc, I should have listened to you the first time I came in because it got so bad. (laughs) You know, you, you finally told me what you wanted me to take and I did it and, and I've never been happier, you know? Right. Um, now, with the tick, you know, we talked about the flea. The, the tick is a little harder because, you know, we know the fleas are going to come into the dog's kennel. They're coming into the house. They're coming into the, 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 the dog uh, bed, wherever, in the truck. Any carpets, and rugs, set- anything that you get. Yeah. yeah. Listen, they're setting up shop. Yeah. So that we can take care of them pretty easy. The tick is going to hop on these different animals, feed, and, and fall off. So we, we've got a lot smaller amount of time to take care of these because their life cycle is a lot longer, um, different feedings, different stages. So, you know, our big thing there is a good product that's going to take us, you know, a length of time also helping us prevent us from bringing these ticks, you know, feeding on our animals and bringing them into our environment. So, you know, the the tick, you know, Brevecto starts killing fleas within two hours. I mean, It, it, it's working right away. You know, ticks, ticks are going to take a little longer to get, but hey, we're going to get them in the first, I mean, you know, you're looking at the first 24 hours, we've got them, right? So right. they're going to fall off and not do any harm. Yep. But, it, and it's just important to remember, you never really wipe out, you know, there's a lot of things, you, you know, people talk about environment, putting barriers between the woods and your yard and things <laughs> like that to help cut down ticks coming in. But when I think about all of your group out there, you know, say, you're not avoiding the, the woods, woods right? You're, <laughs> yeah. you're going right in there. Yep. And uh, that's why I think it's important to also know you've got that good protection. You, you need a tick product just as much, if not more, than you need that flea product. So, yep. so um, I got a few questions in line with, with, this, with this particular topic as far as, you know, the, the types of uh, – of medication. It, it sounds to me like you, your, your personal opinion and what your suggestion is going to be is the, uh, the, the chewable Brevecto. Is that correct? Or like, are you going to give some, sometimes are you going to suggest the topical or the collar over the, inge- uh, the chewable? You know, I, I'm, I'm definitely the chew person. Of course, my, my golden retrievers love the chew and, yeah. I think a lot of people do. They think they're getting a treat. They can't tell it from anything else. Yeah. But, you know, and, and that brings up a good point, your relationship with your veterinarian. You know, I'm sure everybody out there has got a good relationship with a the veterinarian. They're your healthcare expert. 
And I think it's always best to discuss, you know, all your pets treatments with, with your doctor that you've got that yeah. relationship with. But so there is times I'll go with a topical cause they're like, you know, doc, I, you know, he just won't take, I don't care what I hide it in, what, you know, what's my other option. Well, there's always the topical, yeah. you know, so that in, in some, and there's a lot of people that still love topicals that have gotten used to doing that. And so I think it's what the, the client is comfortable with because you're going to get the same protection from that Brevecto topical that you are that chew. So I'm gotcha. perfectly fine with any of my clients, you know, getting either one. So, you know, obviously we're talking a lot about Brevecto. That's what you and I both use. That's, you know, with Merck, that's what you use. Are there any other brands that you would say in the market out there that's, that's has a good quality product that you've seen and witnessed? Well, you know, I, we talk about a class all the time. So w- when we talk about the, um, you know, isoxazoline class, there, there's multiple products in there um, that come from that same class. Now, not all, you know, drugs are created equal because the, the unique thing about Brevecto is extended duration, right? Yeah. So you, there, there are good products, but you're going to fall back to a monthly dosing which puts us back into, you know, accountability. Are we doing what we're supposed to do? Um, I tell you, there's sometimes it gets bad enough that, you know, I would mix a collar. You know, I mentioned that um, Activil collar that, you know, a lot of people may remember as the, as the Scalabor collar. I would do both. I would do Brevecto Chew and a collar just mm. because of the, the coverage you would get sometimes. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of uh, working dogs use both of those, depending on the environment, you know, how bad is the environment um, yeah. that you're going into? And a lot of times that was used just with even added tick protection. Yeah. So, so, okay, let's go at it another way. I have a brand new puppy, eight week old puppy. Is the prevention any different for me? Are you going to tell me to just use a collar or not use anything to a certain age point? Are we looking for a certain development stage before we start using any prevention whatsoever? Well, exactly. And if we'd have had this call um, before the end of last year, we, we would be looking at something for you to use on your puppy until we could get you to six months old. Um, but in December, uh, you know, Merck Animal Health launched Brevecto one month. So now you can start Brevecto at eight weeks of age uh, on your puppy. It's, it'll be a one-month product until we get to the six months of age. And then you can go to the, the uh, extended duration chew. Okay. So now your dog is, is used to the same, you know, the same type chew, the same treat, and you're getting the same coverage um, that you would with the 12 the 12 week when they go to it. So that's my recommendation now, brand recognition, not changing your protocol for your puppy, except administering every month until we get to six months old. Okay. All right. So now a lot of people, they, uh, they prefer collars or off brands because of concerns with the chemicals, right? Uh, everybody right. knows, you know, we've kind of talked about it on the podcast. We have, uh, uh, the sound producer of this podcast is Joe, you know, he kind of tends towards the more natural type of, uh, products. And we have a couple of listeners that, you know, they've written in and they've mentioned something like uh cedar side at one point. What are your thoughts as opposed to, uh, efficacy when it comes to some of these quote unquote more natural products are they do they work 
or is it just kind of a, a marketing ploy or should we, you know, should we take into consideration the chemicals that we are using on our dogs and around our houses? Well, first of all, when you mentioned, you know, chemicals around our houses, I, I would recommend that you definitely, um, those are, those environmental products are best applied by licensed exterminator. Yeah. Um, just because they know what they're doing. They know the dose. Once they know if you've got, you know, children around, you've got other pets around. I like a licensed exterminator when it comes to chemicals. Now, you know, a lot of people have a lot of different remedies they've used for a long time and, and they swear by them. And if they're working for them, you know, if I'm not going to question if they're working for them, you know, because I want, I want them to use what they feel comfortable with. And that's where I think too, talking with your veterinarian about any concerns on these products, uh, because they're going to know any medical conditions they're worried about. But we are looking at a very safe class of drugs when we get to that, Soxazolines, uh, especially Brevecto. Uh, very little, uh, you know, metabolism goes on with that product. It's in the, the tissue fluid for, for those parasites that feed on that. But as far as, you know, a lot of different remedies, and, and you know, being, being around a lot of uh, gun dog people, everybody, I mean, my grandfather had a remedy of, you know, all the way up that they felt like they worked. Well, at the time, we didn't have a lot of good products. And, and, you know, back when we were using those dips and sprays, we were putting a lot of chemicals, yeah. you know, on, on these pets. And I think that's one thing we've seen is just safer drugs, better efficacy. But, you know, I'd say safety is the number one thing when it comes to, to your, your pets and your, and your working dogs. So talk with, you know, their particular veterinarian and find out what he recommends. And, um, but the big thing is, you know, a lot of times we don't see these parasites, you know, these fleas, these ticks in the environment, but they're going to tell if they're not working, especially when we get to, to pressure and out in the field. Yeah. Um, but I, I do prefer, you know, more of the, the proven prescription type drugs. Gotcha. So we already talked about Brevecto being uh, a one tablet or one chew every three months. You know, it's a quarterly deal, and I, I love that. What you already mentioned earlier on that f- fleas and ticks both are year-round. What would your recommendation be, and would it change based on your geographical location uh, for the person that says, you know, during the winter I'm going to come off Brevecto, cycle off, because it's winter and I don't feel like I need that level of protection and then cycle back on come the springtime. Is there, is there any science or studies showing that that really does more harm than good? Or is it something to where, you know, Hey, if you, if you are somewhere that has a hard enough and long enough winter, uh, that, you know, that may be worth your while to consider. You know, very, we, we think we have some, you know, some harsh winters that would take care of a lot of things, but I'm telling you, it's, um, I don't feel like, I feel like sometimes when we come off a product and we're like, I'm going to start back, you know, in the spring, I think we get a little complacent and we start back because there's a problem because a lot of those, you know, a lot of those flea, uh, stages, I told you, you need a flamethrower to kill where they're (laughs) hatching out and it's too late, you know, because now you've got to hurry up and get your medication And, and same thing for heartworm you know, uh, prevention and and that's a little different topic, but I recommend, recommend a year round because 
you know, here we are down here in Alabama. It was, we had 80 degree days in December. Yeah. You know, we had seventies in January and then we had some freezing nights in March. So with our weather and, and in my area, I, I'm a 12 month, uh, recommend recommender. I'm going to say you stay with it year round. Yeah. Uh, because I think it just keeps us in the habit of giving it too. And you're only protecting your environment that you've, cre- you've created a flea free environment. You're protecting that environment because it, you know, 4,500 eggs, and then you do that exponentially, it doesn't take long to lose control of that fight and then have to wait another 12 weeks to get it back under control. Yeah. Well, and and let's keep with the timing of it. If you stay on it for years and years and years, is there any science to to speak towards a dog building a tolerance to it. You know, maybe if you're, if a dog is on it for 10 years, it's not as effective as it is two years. And, you know, I've heard a lot of tailgate biologists, you know, we, we all love tailgate, but tailgate biology, when we're out hunting and training these dogs, we think we know everything, right? So I've heard guys say (laughs) I had to switch brands because Brevecto stopped working when my dog was 10 or 11 years old. And I'm wondering if that's because the dog truly did build up a tolerance to the chemical, or is it maybe the dog's system and the age of dog is, is a factor? You know, what, what's your thoughts on staying on Brevecto for, for too long? You, not seen any any issues with that. I'll tell you, my uh, retriever it came out in 2014, and she's been on it since 2014. So she's been with it now for you know, seven years. Yep. And I, I can't tell you, you know, she goes in the environments. If I'm in a, a clinic, she, she's there with me. I mean, seeing every dog that walks in without it, I have not seen a flea on her in seven years. Yeah. Um, nor a tick. So I think a lot of times when we would, would hear people talk about that, I think that was with the older products back when we were doing topicals and we were, we were relying on, putting it in one spot and it spreading from, you know, nose to tail and covering every part of the dog and, mm-hmm. uh, it, and it being around for a long time, you would hear people talk about, I feel like I'm getting resistance, you know, but then again, too, you may be getting more pressure. I mean, it yeah. may, you know, you think about it, we're going to protect your environment right there at your house. We're going to kill those fleas. We're going to prevent you from bringing home ticks. But when you're out running running dogs in a different field or a different area, you know they're still going to get on them before the product kills them. Yeah. You know, so it just depends on what you're seeing. You may not see a failure of the product. You just put them in a high stress environment with parasites. You know, a lot of fleas, a lot of ticks. Um, but so far, not seen any type of resistance um, to the Brevecto. Gotcha. So. I know we're talking flea and tick, but does this prevention, does it, does it help with prevention of anything else? And, and, and for example, I was just at an event with uh, some friends this past weekend, and uh, one of their puppies had these little small red bumps. It looked like little small red ringworms. It was obviously a skin issue. You know, you Google it, it's some kind of little, it's a bug or something. Will will a proper flea and tick medication, since it covers against fleas and ticks on, on, on the top side, on the skin side, does it protect against all those other random, you know, chiggers or bugs or anything else that will get on the dogs? You know, there's a, 
you know, of course, I, I'll have to stay with label label uses tonight, yeah. just yeah. You know, as as coming from it. But I will say there have been a lot of published studies out there um, on these drugs and and a lot of what they will do, you know, off label. And uh, you know that it, most of it's open source, and and you know they, people can look that up and and see what all they're finding, you know, at this point. But, you know, right now, uh, you know, I, I have to talk on label uh, about the product. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but your veterinarian, I guarantee if you talk with your veterinarian, he's probably looked up a lot of, a lot of things and, and very aware of, of, of what all is out there in literature. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very politician of you, I understand, though. Definitely understand. <laughs> uh, so, so, I, so one question. Do you, uh, you know, with – do you raise any gun dogs? I mean, it, yeah. I think one one neat. So one neat thing, and I'll and I'll go here because it's such a sad thing when I see, you know, these wonderful dogs and and, and getting to watch them work. Mm-hmm. And you've got some breeders, and we get a young litter of, you know, pups come in, and you know we always feel like. We look at them; they're covered in fleas. Yeah. You know, nothing's more sad than to lose one. And it was preventable, but the kennel or the whelping area is just so you know infested with fleas. You know, they they can take they can take out about ten percent of that blood supply a day mm. uh, if there's enough fleas on that little puppy. So so we're looking within a week we could lose a very you know valuable dog yeah. and. That's the one thing when we talk safety and you're using Brevecto and what I've had some retriever kennels of mine do, because we don't want to go spray. And I mean, you know, you don't want to use these topical sprays and stuff on puppies, you know, unless it ever outweighs the risk, benefit outweighs the risk. But what we did is we cleaned up these kennels. Uh, Brevecto is, you know, our 12 week product is safe in pregnant lactating and breeding bitches. Okay. So we would get all their breeding dogs and get them on Brevecto. We would take care of that environment where these dogs were going to be whelping and where they were going to be with the, this litter for, you know, six weeks or so. And we took care of that environment early on, you know, and we had a nice flea-free environment. So we weren't worried about these nice gun dogs, you know, being exposed where where's the, the, the bitch, you know, could handle the environment these little puppies couldn't. So yeah. for someone like you that breeds, um, very safe for your, for your breeding bitches in that, in that kennel. Yeah. And I think I misunderstood you. I don't breed yet. Um, uh, don't really have any plans, but I, you know, when you said, do, do you raise? Yeah, I raise, I got kids over here, you know? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Uh, but no, that is a very good point because I know, you know, I talk to people all the time on the podcast and just in personal life, just being friends with them that, that breed. And it's like your, to your point, the amount of blood that those fleas can suck out of you and ticks suck out of you. It's, you know, picture that on a three day old pup, you know, that pup is definitely not even, you know, let's say that it it can withstand the amount of blood being drained from it, uh, just the the diseases that it's being left open to. So it is very important for a kennel and, and a breeder to to take the necessary steps and precautions in that. All right, 
what 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 are we missing here? You know, you just you brought up a good point about the breeders and everything that I I didn't even think of because you know I haven't I haven't had a litter myself or or the bad experience. You know, what are some horror stories out there that immediately will pop up into your head and you can use as um, as a, as an example of what not to do and, and words of wisdom and precaution to to these people out there that say you know well you know i'll just take tweezers and pull the ticks off afterwards you know it's not that big of a deal what what, what are we missing here well you know horror stories you know we talk about the flea anemic dog um when i think of ticks you know i don't know if you've had it but how many times you see a a gun dog come in and there'll be 20 ticks in its ear um there, there is nothing more painful uh, to that dog, I don't care how good of a dog it is, it, you know, it's going to want to bite. It's going to be painful, you know, down in the ear canal. And, and in the past, we had nothing to, pre- to prevent this type of infestation. We had nothing to, to kill these, you know, ticks. Those are the horror stories I remember on the, on the ticks. Better yet, seeing, seeing this wonderful dog um, that, you know, work and then finding out that we're dealing with, Lyme disease eventually, you know, or a fatal tick-borne illness that could have been prevented. Yeah. Um, so from a clinical standpoint, that's it. You know, just seeing it, it, flea anemia, one of the saddest things because it was preventable, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the big thing, fleas are not new and they're not going away, you yeah. know. And so we've got to do our part because um, there's there's just so much prevention that exists out there and good prevention now that's easy to give just a, you know four times a year yeah absolutely i mean if you can't do it four times a year like i said you know i do the heartworm medicine once a month you know sometimes uh i'm i'm a day or or a few days late on that but uh once a year or once every 3 months uh, not not a big deal I, i'm i'm never late on that uh, personal choice now you 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 can w- just rid the world of one or the other fleas or ticks what are you choosing you can take that flamethrower and specifically target fleas or ticks what are you going oh with? my goodness <laughs> you know because once i get rid of one of them right the other one's going to be my, my new nemesis at, at even a higher rate oh see now you can't um, talk big picture here you just got to go emotion <laughs> like what do you hate the most here we're, we're talking about the here and now don't worry about 10 years from now <laughs> Well, so so I will I will say, and I don't want to downplay one over the other at all. Yeah. But I'd say the biggest issues that I saw in practice um, probably stemmed from the flea. Okay. Um, you know, the the flea was a nemesis, and it was it was causing more obvious issues not to downplay the tick at all because it's more of that silent killer over there, you know, that we're not seeing the tick on the dog a lot. The diseases are a little harder to catch, but you know, the, the flea was probably one of the bigger issues we had, uh, in practice because not all dogs, all dogs can get ticks, but not all were getting exposure to ticks. And that's what I was about to ask. If a flea was more, you know, it's more studied because the average person can probably come across fleas more so than ticks. You know, the average person probably didn't go in and in tick infested areas on, on a regular basis like we are, but fleas, you know, even if you're just a pet, uh, you know, 
regular pet owner and dogs and cats, you can come across fleas just anywhere. Yeah, yeah. And the, and there's there's one tick that can complete its whole life cycle on the dog in your house, and that's the brown dog tick. Whereas, you know, the, the fleas, once they get in, once they get on you, I mean, without today's, you know, advances in, in the medication, we were going to have a hard time getting rid of that environmental problem. And I... So I got one other uh, question for you before I let you go, and I have no idea if you even have an answer for this. But you know, I've mentioned it a couple <laughs> times before, and I'm sure you, you know, you and the listeners are probably like, man, he's worried about this that that protein <laughs> allergy that you get from these ticks. I'm a red meat eater, so it scares the crap out of me. Uh, has there been any uh, studies or any uh, people just guessing that like those ticks? can take that allergy and mess up a dog potentially, you know, will it, is there any side effect to those Lone Star ticks to the dogs like it is us? So the the big thing that we worry about, about that Lone Star tick, as far as, you know, we're concerned and getting that bite is they can transfer uh, a substance, a sugar that that you've read about called alpha gal and humans we don't have that alpha gal, but we make an immune response to it. And so if we get exposed to it later on in red meat, then if we've already got that immune response, we may have a reaction to it. Well, the interesting thing is uh, dogs, cats, pigs, sheep, cows, they all have alpha gal already. So, they're not going to react like we are uh, if they get exposed to that alpha gal in that bite from the Lone Star tick. Interesting. And that, that's, that's pretty much the basis behind it. Um, like I said, don't know a whole lot about it, but just in a little bit of reading I've done, uh, that's pretty much the consensus. Gotcha. So we don't have to worry about our dogs all of a sudden not being able to eat their dog food because they're allergic to a specific type of meat. That's correct, but now if you're like me and like red meat, that dog can bring <laughs> that dog can bring that Lone Star tick home yeah. to you. So make sure you're using something to prevent those ticks. Yeah, for sure. Now me and my buddies, we always talk about how just horrible that would be because I mean that's that red meat. I, that's what I primarily eat, and then, you know it's just like I love hunting quail and grouse and, and and the white meat birds. But man, that red meat that's that that's going to be a bad day if I ever catch that from a tick. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a limited cookout, wouldn't it? <laughs> that it would. That it would. Well, Mark, I definitely appreciate it. You know, this is the first time we got on the phone and talked to, to each other, so it, it, it was a lot of fun for me and informative. Uh, but pitch where people can find you, where they can find more information on literature on flea and tick, um, the products that Merck has to offer, Brevecto, whatever. You know, what where where should people go to find out more information? You know, after tonight's conversation, go to brevecto.com. If there's any questions we didn't get to tonight, there's a lot on there. It talks about the product. Um, I think that's a pretty comprehensive website to kind of bring you a little more up to speed on on any other questions you may have about brevecto.com. And then after that, talk with your veterinarian. I think that's one of the most important things is to develop that relationship. And, And after you read about brevecto, if you have any questions, you know, reach out to your veterinarian. Gotcha. 
Well, Mark, I appreciate it again. Thanks for making time, and uh, it's a worthwhile conversation. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, we'll I have to felt do it like again. we were sitting around the hunting camp. Absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's what we're after. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, we'll have to check back again soon. Sounds good. Take care. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again in a year. Go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want. If you're considering changing your dog's food soon, then be sure to check out Yukonuba Pro Performance. Their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance. They also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active. When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.